0: This was about as bizarre and as
1: easy as it gets. So the number for me was a number that would allow me to never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of, you know, $500,000 to in debt. $192 million. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host, John Warlow. Hey, this episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by the Value Builder System. I had the opportunity to interview Stephanie Breedlove the other day. She sold her $9 million payroll company for a cool $54 million. How does she do it? She focused on the eight things that drive company value, things like what we call the Switzerland structure, monopoly control, recurring revenue, all things you're going to evaluate in your own business using the Value Builder Score. It takes about 15 minutes to complete the survey, Go to valuebuilder.com. Next up is Etienne Bourgeat, co-founder of PCO Innovation, a company he built up to 600 employees before he decided to sell. So a couple of things I want you to listen for in this interview. Listen for the triggering event that made him want to sell. You may feel that there are some similarities in your own situation listen for the earnout piece because as you know a lot of earnouts can be really tough for entrepreneurs and Etienne was able to stick handle his way through his earnout, but has some great tips for stick handling through your earnout. Uh, lots of discussion around the defensive mindset he got into as his business became a bigger and bigger portion of his wealth and working through with a partner on some of those tough decisions and discussions. Uh, here to tell you the rest of the story is Etienne Bourgeois. Etienne Bourgeois, welcome to Built to Cell Radio.
0: Thank you, good morning.
1: Yeah, good morning to you too. PCO Innovation, tell me what you guys did.
0: Um, well, PCO Innovation was an IT consulting and services company. We were uh, in a niche domain which is called PLM, but basically to make it easy, we were in putting in place for large uh, companies, a computer system to help them uh, develop new products um, for instance, a car maker would need computer systems to design, develop, and manufacture that car. So we we help them put in place the right systems that would suit their specific needs. Got
1: it. So you were a professional services IT consulting company. So you had, I mean, what was your model? You have like engagement managers and 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 people that sort of run projects on on site for for clients.
0: Yes, uh, basically yes. Up from the people to define the the specification, the needs. Of our customers to the people that will put in place the computer system and make them run uh, uh, for several years actually sometimes with the updates and all that in in going forward
1: now how did you get into that because i understand you had a partner in the business i mean tell us about your journey to to starting up how did you kind of start the business
0: yeah okay but to start with I, i studied as a mechanical engineer Came out of school at a time where um, the 3D uh, design was starting. So some people have heard of AutoCAD, CATIA, like these were CAD systems. So I started to work on that system uh, coming out of school for five, six years, got some experience about uh, putting these systems in place. And at one time we realized that there was a need of more added value for customers because they were starting to put what we call digital mock-ups. So like the, the representation of your product, uh, on your computer, so the, the younger people are all familiar with like representation. Let's say of a car on your computer, but 20 years ago it was not as um, it was not as present and as developed as it is now. So we were seeing that opportunity, and um, I met my partner who's was actually coming from France, and he was a sales guy, and I was more of a technical guy, and we kind of saw an opportunity and decided to to, to match uh, to, to to get uh, or. Energy together and start a business. So we started the business in in 2000 um, in uh, in the the industry that is called PLM product lifecycle management. Um, but basically, uh, we were um, doing what what I explained earlier. So putting in place computer systems with these with with larger companies that had specific needs. But it was a market that was not really defined. So we had to really at the same time explain what we we're doing and helping the companies. So. A lot of consulting work to start with, I would say.
1: And how did you structure your employee, your shareholder agreement with your partner? I mean, was it a, uh, I mean, did you guys have a shareholder agreement? Was it back of the napkin kind of agreement? How did you structure that?
0: Well, I'm not, this is not something I'm saying that people should do, but we were 50-50 without any shareholder agreement. So we had to agree. (laughs) And I don't know, we just never had the time to, to, to go through a shareholder agreement. And it, uh, it worked OK for us. But uh, because we're, we're objective, we're aligned or uh, but it could have been a problem at one point. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> you guys built a pretty big business on the back of a of a handshake deal. I mean, it t- give people a, a sense of how big your company got by the time mm-hmm. you you had an exit.
0: Yeah, so by the time we got an exit developed like 14 years, uh, we were up to 600 employees with offices in the Canada, US, Germany, France and projects uh, in other many other countries.
1: So big company. I mean, what was the trigger that made made you want to sell?
0: Um, a couple of things uh, the, the size of the project. So one of the one of the things that we've seen is that some of the large some of the large clients like say Boeing and Airbus, the two airplane makers that were pretty big that had some big projects, the size of the projects and the engagement they that they were looking to give us or to give, give a supplier were starting to be too much of a risk for us because of this of the size of our, of our company. And at the same time, because of that, some of the bigger players like uh, Accenture, IBM and some other uh, um, uh, IT companies, especially for Indian companies, were, were starting to look at the industry because they would see the size of the project. So there was... Two things, so the size of the project that were becoming a risk for us, and at the same time, the other players are starting to look at it as a an opportunity for them to get into a new uh, a new industry, I would say
1: and in what way did you see the the size of the projects being a risk? Would it become too much a percentage of your business? Is that what your risk the risk was?
0: Yes, for instance, yeah, t- too many people engage on one project. And if the project goes is not easy and we have difficulty on a project, it may be too too much of a risk financially for us also. Could have, like, if you have a uh, like a, a project that is a, a a fifth of your of the size of your business that goes bad, and you have to put all your efforts on it to deliver, uh, you can really risk uh, the whole the whole business. Actually,
1: how was the business financed? I mean, was did you guys have any outside shareholders? or was just or just you and your
0: partner all the way. Um, we financed it to, at the beginning. We financed it by ourselves. Like we had the uh, for sure love money. Fam, people that, from the family and, and some friends that that help us. But at the same time, we were services mostly to start with. So it was, uh, we financed it with the, with, with the cash flow of the business. We were limited by the money that we had. And uh, so, so the growth was, we, we kind of auto-financed and we were putting the money back in the business uh, for, for the first several years before we actually started to get a, a payer our, ourselves. So that was, a, that was how we, we saw the best way to develop the business because it, it's super tough to find money, especially in services, the two of us were in our twenties, so it was almost impossible to, to to find money from the bank or from uh, from an investor at that time.
1: Got it. And and did you continue on that way all the way to the exit, or did you at some point bring on external investors?
0: Um, we've had um, at one point we did one big acquisition, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. We did an acquisition and we needed money, so we had uh, help from uh, um, uh, a bank uh, here in Canada uh, and uh, to do one acquisition, but it was um the time of the the the, the type of depth uh, was actually mezzanine debt so it's something that we it, we didn't uh, lose any shares like we didn't we want to stay uh, in control of the business, actually didn't want to have another shareholder so so it was a loan with a large interest but Actually, in the end, we're super happy about uh, what we the, the way we financed that uh, that deal. It's
1: funny that yeah, mezzanine debt has come up in the in the last two episodes we've done of the show, so it's it's becoming a, a very common topic for us. One of the things that, that has come up in, in our discussions around mezzanine debt was the that the, the founders have had to personally guarantee the mezzanine debt. Was that the case for you guys? Did you have to you know put up a personal guarantee of some sort against the uh, the mezz debt that you uh, that you took on?
0: Well, um, I don't exactly remember, but I think we did not because I would say that probably ninety-five percent of my assets were my business. So I'm not sure there was that much I could have I could have given as a personal guarantee at that time. Mm. But um, but we I'm pretty sure we've signed up everything. Like any time you sign with a bank, they ask for everything. So they so it's not usually it's not an issue. You have to accept it.
1: Yeah. How did it feel? As I mean, you mentioned ninety-five percent of your wealth was in the business. Yeah. Um, how did that um, impact your decision making as you started to think about um as the st- as the size of these projects um did that's did, did that weigh on you that such a large proportion of your wealth was tied up in in one sort of asset or was it yeah. something you were very comfortable with
0: yeah no it's a very good question actually um the the way I handled it, my 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 partner handled it was a little different, and this is what actually made us, I think, the right timing to sell. Is that I was I was okay about taking more some risk, but at one point you kind of start to to compute and calculate and say, okay, this is like everything that I have or my value, and I'm risking it year after year. So is this something you want to risk? At one point I was still okay about doing it a couple of years because I could see the industry was still very very well uh, was doing well for us, but at the same time I felt my partner was starting to be more in a defensive uh, mindset and it's we started to not argue but maybe a little bit disagree on how to do things uh, he for him I felt that the size of the business was probably big enough for him and he started to 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 work a little less in developing the business and I was still looking at opportunities so this started to be some sort of a of a, of a mismatch at that time
1: interesting and 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 how did that play out for you I mean, did, did you guys have disagreements? or?
0: No, not, re- not really, but you could see that uh, some of the decisions that, that you make, like w- let's say, uh, do, we, do we do another acquisition? Uh, do we open an office in that country? Do we take, like, a, as I said earlier, bigger projects, bigger risk, bigger projects, for sure. Bigger opportunities, but, uh, but bigger risk in the end. Uh, so at one point, you kind of see that the risk is, is, is always coming back on the table about, oh, are we, do we want to take that risk? Well, as entrepreneurs, especially when we started the business, we were like full... Hundred uh, percent of our everything that I had was on the table, and we're putting it back on the table like every year, year after year, until a certain point where you realize that okay, maybe I've I can like lower my risk level at this time. But the projects were getting were getting more actually riskier. So um, th- this is more of the discussion that we had. So are we doing this or are, are we are we not? And some of the employees that were that been working with us wanted that for us to take more risk because they would see that they they would get to a certain another level, have more employees, have more revenue. And as shareholders, we started to to feel that we were pushed by people around us, and yeah, it led it led to several discussions.
1: That's really interesting. So you decide that that the projects are getting large, such a huge proportion of your wealth is is in the business, and that that perhaps that's not sitting well with your partner. You decide to to kind of shop the business. Did you, did you did you hire an M and A banker? Like, how did you then take the next step in in actually starting the exit process?
0: um actually we started to get some some pings from from other players wanted to know us wanted to talk with us to see how we were doing to and like without getting like a formal uh how can I say deal opportunity but they, they were saying hey we're interested in working with you guys and at one point we just decided to see but the the trigger was i i tried to see what is our market value so that if if i have the opportunity to buy my partner is can i do it but at the same time i knew by doing that i would get probably uh, opportunities to sell it, because it's it's pretty everything is linked, uh, I would say um, when, when when you want to put your company in the market. So uh, we actually went to talk with uh, Ernst and Young and asked them about the process. And I said that there's two things we can do or sell the business, or, as I said, find a partner and maybe try to buy some some of my partner's share to replace him and and maybe continue with the business, but at the same time, put a little money in my pocket myself to, to get more secure for the future.
1: Let me, ju- let me just step you there. So you went to Ernst & Young. Uh, you went under the guise of them being consultants, external advisors to you to give you advice about how to exit, or did you go to Ernst & Young as one of your uh, potential acquirers?
0: Oh, no, no, no. We I went to Ernst & Young to, to, for, uh, the, for them to help us like, in the process as advisors.
1: I see. Okay, got it. Got it.
0: And uh, but at that time we had like some some of especially like some of the uh, uh, companies a few companies from India at that time that were trying to, to to get more opportunities in in some of the larger companies let's say from North America and Europe, and, and these guys were calling us and pilling us and we would see them at some of uh, at some of our customers, and uh, so so we decided to check what how how does the market react if we if we try to look for, or financing or. Or to sell the business, and this and, is where e and Y decided to go through their their process of uh, preparing uh, preparing the, the 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 right book and and just going going to see on the market.
1: Got it. So Ian White, Ian Y prepares the book, takes it to market. What was the reaction?
0: Um, um, it wasn't we at this. The problem is at that time is that there was not that many players that we could have approached. So we were kind of doing things very slowly. And what happened during the process, uh, we started to work with Accenture on one big project, and at, and at one point someone in Accenture said, hey, maybe we should team up. So we kind of, after trying with a couple of these companies where, where we, uh, from worldwide companies, I guess companies from different countries, we, we got some return, Ui got some returns that were pretty positive. But during that process, Accenture kind of came out of of the group and we decided to focus on on talking with them and focusing with them pretty early in the process. So.
1: Got it. And at what point did the conversations go from sort of casual, hey, maybe we should team up to more, more serious with Accenture? I mean, did they put a letter of intent in front of you or did, did you like, how did, how did the, the, the temperature of the negotiations start to heat up?
0: Yeah. They were actually pretty quick to say, uh, Hey, um, we should probably team up, uh, and, and try to see how, how we can work together. But uh, you see, it's, the way, what I think is that there was someone uh, in, in, in the business that was going to retire and he wanted to do a move into his industry before he was leaving. So I think he pushed the, uh, he was the driver inside Accenture for that, uh, for that acquisition. So he wanted to push pretty quick.
1: Got it. And so maybe take us through the next step. So how did it progress from there?
0: Um, so we got a letter, as, as you said. So we had the first like big meeting with them and say, uh, "This is who we are. Uh, who are you guys?" Because we knew them a little, but not that much. And you just get to, to, to get a feeling of the people. So there was actually I don't know ten or twelve people from from them that we've met for several hours uh, to try to understand like how they see the market, how how we see the market, and and, and in the first discussion, everything seemed to fit pretty well. Like we had the same uh, vision on the market, same vision on how to manage. Um, A a a company, a services company, and we got a letter intent from them pretty, pretty 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 quick, Um, and it actually the process from from then just went from from um, uh, to 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 the due diligence pretty quickly actually.
1: What was your reaction to the LOI? Um,
0: I I don't really remember, so I think it was probably in link with what we were expecting. There was not much. surprise or, or, or disappointment in it. I
1: mean, what was the multiple they were offering?
0: Uh, the, that's the thing. The, our negotiation, this is one of the things that I know I th- might be different from a lot of other businesses. It was not linked to a multiple of a revenue or multiple of a profit. We kind of said there's a, a number uh, that we're looking for, and this is what they, they, they went inside Accenture internally to negotiate. It's, so that uh, so that, that was the number that was on the letter actually so which which is uh, I'd say a multiple of about uh, over one one to one point five times the revenue at that time.
1: Got it. So so you and your partner had sort of come up with this number in your heads, and you were the first ones to to kind of put it on the table and say this is what we're looking for.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Interesting, and that's as you probably know that's kind of that's kind of breaks all the rules of negotiation you know classic you know you make the other guy needs to to make the the first move why did you do it that way i know i
0: i know and i'm surprised but after like after the integration when i've seen about how it works in a in a firm like accenture um, they do a lot of acquisitions, but they do usually very specific acquisition for uh, like a specific market or specific, uh, let's say, t- a need or services that they, they're looking for to integrate. And the way they do it is that they have to negotiate internally for a certain budget envelope. And they have to do this pretty very early in the process of like negotiating for uh, with, with, with a potential target. So... Uh, they, they kind of have to put a number on on paper. So, so that's how they did it. They needed like to have a number internally to be able to negotiate, to, to, to get the, 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 the goal, the internal goal, uh, to negotiate with us. And so we just put the number in the table and they didn't, I don't know, they didn't crunch the numbers properly yet or, but in the end, it, it everything flowed up like properly and, 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 and we didn't have any issue with that, but it's, I've always asked myself, how come they didn't, Try to 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 link it more to a numbers. I I I don't, I don't have no explanation for that. Hmm. Maybe my 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 partner was a good sales guy and he tried to he pushed it at the right time, the right person, and and he got an agreement.
1: Were Were you at all? I mean, as you reflect on it now, I mean, it's been a couple of years. Um, it, it, do do you feel like perhaps there was more to get? Is, is there? It, do you think maybe you left some money on the table by by putting the number out there?
0: No. <laughs> Simple answer, no. no I, th- I think it was pretty uh, pretty good for us. Pretty good deal.
1: And, and how did you and your partner come to that number? Like, what was it, what was the way you guys kind of thought about it?
0: Were you looking, um,
1: I guess I, I'm curious, were you looking internally yeah. at your own, like, lifestyle needs or was it more externally? Like, here's what the thing's worth. Look at these three deals. Like.
0: It's a mix, for sure. As I said earlier, we had had we've had a few discussions with with other companies. So for sure, we some others were telling us how they value businesses. So we had kind of an idea, and we try to see okay, this is the opportunities that we have to grow the business in the next two years. Like a mix of different things. Like how do we project the business in the next two three years? How is the market? Uh, what's the size of the market at this time? How we were we were like a, an, in, a in a in a great position like as the um, in in a market. So different things together that we that we put and we try to look at the the, the competition to see other deals that happened uh, all of that mixed together um, we pointed to that number and i think we've did it also some of that work was done with with EY also with Ernst Young mm-hmm. so um, a lot of analysis on the market on our side
1: and how was the structure uh, cuz most services companies would would be heavily earn out based how did you guys sort of structure sort of cash up front versus earn out versus sort of a note
0: it was, uh, 80, 10, 10, 80% cash and 10%, 10%, uh, 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 year one, year two. Got it. So, but, but keep in mind that on any 80 for sure, we had to pay like our, our debt and everything. So, so 80 is not like 80 cash in a pocket, but I mean, it's the, the deal was 80, 10, 10,
1: right? Yep. No, got it. Okay. That's, that's helpful. And, and that's. It sounds like a fairly low proportion on the earnout, especially in a services business. Was that a point of discussion? Did they want to make it a, a fatter portion on the earnout? Did you have to push back on that piece?
0: Um, yes and no. For sure, there were lots of discussions about it. But uh, keep in mind that you, you have a business of like 600 people, and you, you you control it. You know exactly what what your projects are, and you integrate the business of 290,000 people with like. Thirty billion of revenue, so you kind of totally lose your business, and this was this was the biggest point in the discussion. From the moment you were into Accenture, how do you how will you split like a revenue and and because our activity was, let's say Accenture had some projects at, at Boeing, we were doing some work at Boeing. For us, it's easy, hundred percent of the revenue we make at Boeing as PCO is in our in our service area. From the moment you're sold to Accenture, that revenue goes into a way bigger revenue than Accenture does at, at, at Boeing. So how do you track that number? And this was lots and lots of discussion on how we can track it. And we were pushing and pushing, saying that we, we won't be able to track. And on the other hand, we knew that just the fact that we were doing business in our industry at a certain cli- client, Accenture can go in the same client and try to sell other services. So all the discussion was about tracking our revenue even though we have some good, like uh, we we can define the objectives of what we are going to do in the next two years, how do we track it? We'll lose totally track of it, and and we, it it's tough for us to to kind of defend our position and defend our uh, or that the fact that we that we get to the target.
1: And how did it actually play out? I mean, you had lots of discussions um, during the earnout. Were were you able to carve it out and and make the case that that was your revenue?
0: yeah absolutely not. like they they gave us a revenue, and that's it. Like there was absolutely no way we could re uh, construct or understand these revenues. absolutely no way. But on the other hand, we 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 hit our targets like uh, no problem. so its so the thing is i've I've realized that there was someone inside Accenture whose objective was also to 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 track these objective and to make sure we were we were on target. so there was other people on the other side. I would say uh, the fence that needed the same. They hit the same target as I did, but we we it was impossible for us to track.
1: What advice would you have for a services company that was about to agree to an earnout, and um, and and negotiating that earnout, and and actually living through that earnout, and helping you know tr- trying to to actually hit the number?
0: Yeah. <sighs> the 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 most difficult thing again is the is is how you will mix the, the teams together like how i had my my employees my team they had some employees so how do you mix them together so this this i think would be for me the 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 probably the 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 most difficult thing is is how can you track your revenues how do you lose your team so if your team are all uh, and and it's 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 Everything was it was it was in link with that. And this is what we had the most difficulty with, I would say, um, integration wise, is is how because our team was we had teams that were really international and and for instance we didn't know what how to grow, how how to get to the next step. Well, Accenture is focused by, by client, by customer. So you own a customer and and, and you try to develop as, as maximum business as you can through uh, through a certain client, which was not exactly the same as we were we were we were operating. So and especially in the service industry it's not easy to um, to um to kind of uh, know how to how to integrate services team together
1: what was life like i mean you and your partner you started this business admittedly kind of in your 20s you built it on the back of a handshake deal 50 yeah. 50 deal i mean you guys are entrepreneurs how did it feel to be part of accenture for those 2 years
0: well I I have to say I've learned a lot and I've met some really like very uh, brilliant and uh, and uh, fantastic people like that for sure uh, and I'm happy and and this, I'm super happy that we sold to Accenture because for us it's 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 something like really positive like it's it's a great fantastic business but on the other side we were really surprised to see the um, how can I say the the mentality or the 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 how people. Uh, their personality, how they, how their objectives are are set, for sure. Like you build your own business that looks a little bit like, like, like you, like it, it, it has your values. So from the moment I started the business with my partner, uh, it it represented a little bit of who we, who we are, like how we do things and what our values are. So when you integrate a business, even though they say that we do, Accenture was telling us we do, we do services, we have the same type of of clients as you have. You do, we do the business similar way. The moment you start to be into that business, you realize that, wow, it's you have absolutely no impact on what's going on compared to like when you're, when you owner of your own business. So that was basically, I would say, the most difficult thing for me is to try to, and 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 the, I don't know if there was a way for me to be more aware of that prior to selling the business and to be ready for it. So it's kind of a shock when you, and the most people that we've been, that we work with in at Accenture at, at our level were people that started, out of school to work at Accenture. So they've been with Accenture for like 15, 20 years. So they're really uh, molded to that type of business, which is fantastic when you're inside Accenture, but when you're an insider trying to, to fit in, it's wow, it's, uh, it's really tough.
1: Hmm. And so I, I noticed uh, in, in our discussion before we, we hit record that, that, uh, that you were with Accenture, I guess for the two years that, uh, that you were required, but, but you have left now, is that right, in January 2016?
0: Yes, exactly. I stayed for just uh, like thirteen. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, 20, 25 months or something. Just over two years.
1: Got it. Got it. And so, what's life been like as you reflect back? Uh, you know, over the last say year and a bit um, outside of 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 Accenture, what what, are, what what sort of reflections do you have now as as the deal is sort of in in the rearview mirror, so to speak?
0: Um. Uh, First thing is I don't regret really anything. I'm super like I'm super happy about what happened. Um, the main thing is I'm not part of a team anymore. Like I don't have. Uh, actually, the first thing was that not have an office the next day, not have like an assistant in an office. Like to start like from scratch. Like I had to go and buy a printer, go and buy my paper. <laughs> like it's, it's it, it sounds it sounds stupid, but it's it's basically what, what what was funny to start with. Like to really to redo everything that I did uh, 15 years ago. Um, but a uh, couple of things that, that really that I like is to see a few, there are some people that, that have left uh, because they didn't feel Accenture was, was, was like a fit for them. A lot of people stayed and then found their a new position, but I have a couple of guys that left and, and it's surprising how many of them have started businesses. All sorts of industries, very different than what they were doing with, uh, with us, but uh, that's something that I'm really happy about and I'm really proud, so I'm trying to follow what these guys are doing and try to help them. Um, uh, and, and that's for, for the moment that that is basically what, uh, what I feel. So I'm pretty happy. I get, I get a lot of people to ask for, for, I don't know, financing or to help or to, uh, to be an advisor. So this is something fun. Life is is very different, I would say. And, um, the most, the most difficult thing is not to have a specific, um, how can I say like one, one job to do uh, like every morning. So I don't have like a, a frame. Uh, so it's, uh, um so i don't know i'm driven by emails that i get here and there like it's life is a little different i don't know but uh, for sure i'm just looking for uh, for something something new something to 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 get involved in the future but i wanted some time off and this is what i'm enjoying right now
1: yeah i bet um did you buy yourself any sort of trophy any any sort of reward for 15 years of good work
0: uh actually but actually i've I've been racing cars for several years so I, i i have uh um i've i've last year or like uh, 2 years ago I, I bought myself like a new uh, a new Porsche race car um that i crashed pretty badly this summer but still uh, it's uh, it's one of my one of my passions this is one of the the things i did for myself got it so what kind of Porsche did you buy that's a GT3 Cup it's a race car full full race car like it's not street legal and i race in canada and the us with uh, in actually G- GT3 Cup uh, championship
1: there you go well, good luck with that yeah. as a, a new passion for sure uh Etienne, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to, to be with us. Is there a place that people, if they wanted to connect with you directly, is there a, a LinkedIn profile or a website you want them to go to? Like where should people go if, if they wanted to reach out and say thank you and, and hi?
0: Um, good question. At uh, this time, it's something probably I need to work on. Uh, I have a LinkedIn, which is a Etienne borja. Uh, we'll put uh, it in the show e-
1: notes. I'll spell it E-T-I-E-N-N-E, e- and Borja is B O R G. E A T. Am I getting that right? Yep,
0: yeah, exactly. And awesome. I'm probably the only one, so it's uh, a <laughs> connect
1: with Etienne so, there. Yep,
0: yeah, exactly. Or if you look for PCO Innovation, which was the name of my business, also you should be able to find the, find my name pretty easily.
1: ATM, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much.